Good morning. Welcome to True Life Church. It's great to worship with you on this Sunday. I want to say Happy Father's Day to all of you dads. The work you do as a father is eternally significant. Playing with your kids, teaching your kids, providing for your kids, leading your kids, roughhousing with your kids, teaching the Bible to your kids. Being a father eternally matters. And so we honor you and we're thankful for you. And what you do as a dad matters deeply to God. He, he sees you and he has put you in the place that you are in with the children that he has given you. And so I pray that today you would be able to experience uh, some of the, the privilege and the honor that it is. And remember that uh, our work as dads is to model uh, the, the Heavenly Father to our children. also want to uh, remind you, and uh, maybe for some of you it's the first time you're hearing this, but next Sunday we will be meeting live, in person, outdoors. And so if you are in the area, if you are local, we want to encourage you to join us for our outdoor service. You can find information about that and the guidelines, requirements on our website, but we will be doing True Life Outdoors next Sunday. And for those of you that are out of town or maybe uncomfortable or not able to come in person, we will still be uh, streaming this live. And so look forward to being able to do that next Sunday and the following Sunday. And after that, we'll kind of see where it goes. We're going to take it a couple weeks at a time, but that is the plan. So next Sunday, you can have an opportunity to actually gather again as the church. And I would encourage you, if you can, to be there. It'll be a great time. Okay, uh, we are in a series going through the Psalms that we started last week. And so before we jump into uh, our sermon for today, I want to pray for us and invite God to open up our hearts and to speak to us so that this time uh, wouldn't just be, you know, a, a ritual, but it would actually be a time that God really shapes our hearts and our lives. And I believe that he can do that uh, because his word speaks into our hearts, into our lives, wherever we are, even if it's across a screen. So would you join with me and ask God to be a part of this time together. Father, we thank you uh, for this time that we get to have. We thank you for the beginning of a week to, to reset, to recenter our life on you, who you are, and what you say. I pray, God, that you would help me to communicate your word, your truth to our hearts, and that it would be useful and helpful for us in all the different things that we are going through. Would you, even now, Lord, in each person that is listening, would you open up their hearts? Help them to be ready to receive what you have for them. Help us to see. Help us to know you. Help us to love you. Help us to be convicted where we need to be convicted and led in the decisions and choices that you want us to make and comforted where our hearts are heavy. Lord, you see all the different pains and all the different experiences and all the different problems and decisions and confusions and you see all the things that took place this week and maybe even this morning and you want to enter into it. So we thank you for this time and ask you to be a part of it. Let this not be a ritual. Let it not be I mean, just a, a rote activity, but God, would you make this a special, sacred, holy time and speak to us. In your name, Jesus, we pray. Amen. We, we are looking at the Psalms, and the Psalms are a, a great book, a great collection of poetry and songs to help us enter into God's heart in all the different situations and circumstances 
that we face. Life has so many twists and turns, right? And there's good things and there's bad things. And sometimes that happens in the same day. Sometimes that happens in the same week. Sometimes it's long seasons of of sorrow and then maybe long seasons of celebration. But there's so many twists and turns in life. And and what we need is for uh, something to give voice to that, something to give words to the emotions and the feelings that we have. We, We need words often that go along with all the different experiences that we have. Sometimes we we maybe read a blog or uh, we hear a a quote or someone says something and we say something like this, man, I couldn't have said it better. And it's helpful for us when somebody else voices something and we feel like, ah, yeah, that's exactly what, what I wanted to say or that's exactly what I was feeling. You gave voice to my pain or you gave voice to my situation. Thank you. Um, I didn't have the words and you had them. And, and the Psalms is a book that helps us exactly that way. It's God giving voice to all of the different things that we go through in life, whether those are good or bad, high or low. And thus, what it does is helps us to even, even better than we could do on our own, helps us to share our heart with God. And I think there is no, um, no more important need that we have than to be able to share our heart with God, because that is sharing our life with God, and it's then connecting God into the middle of whatever we have. If it's a joyful thing and if it's a hurtful thing, we are connecting God into the middle of whatever we are going through. The Psalms help us with that. Last week, we looked at Psalms of Lament, and if you weren't able to listen, I encourage you to go back and listen to that, as it's an important uh, It's an important help and an important resource for us, especially when we look at our world and see injustice and pain and racism and strife, and and we go, God, how long? And I I can't preach the same sermon over again, but I encourage you to go back and listen to that as God gives voice to that pain. And and today we're looking at Psalms of Wisdom. Psalms of Wisdom are another whole category of Psalms that address the questions and the longings that we have for the good life. They address the longing that we have for life to be good, the questions that we have of how can life be lived in a good way, in the, in the right way, in a, in a way that brings joy, and in a way that is pleasing even to God and to ourselves. And each of us want happiness in life. We each want to enjoy life. And so when we think about various categories of our life, a lot of times we think about kind of choices and decisions of, okay, what's the, if I spend my money, what's the best way to spend my money in a way that I'll experience happiness? And I'll go, yeah, that was a good way to spend money. Or what's the best way to organize my relationships and to relate with people so that life is good and life is happy? How much alone time or together time do I need? And what's the best way to think about my self-image so that I experience happiness? What's the best way to think about my job? And what's the best way to do work so that I'm happy? We, we, we want to be happy and there, there's nothing wrong with that. We want to be happy. And a lot of times we actually don't know. How can I be happy? How can I experience joy? And, and so Psalms of Wisdom actually speak to how do we experience happiness? And they also address another longing that we have is that we want to live right. We want to do life the right way. You know, I know that's broad, but we, we want to think about things the right way. We want to think about issues the right way. Uh, we don't want to be duped. We don't want to be naive. We don't want to 
um, miss something. We want to think about the, the various issues of our day in the right way. We want to think about decisions that are in front of us the right way. I mean, how many times have you asked a friend or a pastor or, or a spouse and said, man, I don't know what to do about this. Should I buy a house? Should I get this job? Should I move to this place? Should I date that person? Should I, what should I do? We want, to, we want to kind of do things the right way. We want to handle our time the right way. And it's often hard to sift through all of that. It's hard to sift through all the different choices and all the different decisions. But these psalms, the psalms of wisdom, present that desire. They present that longing to God. They present that confusion to God of, God, there's so many things. I want to have a happy life. I want to live life the right way. And it, and it takes that desire that we have, that, des- that longing that we have, that confusion, uncertainty we have about how to do that, and it brings it to God. It brings those things to God and says, God, in order to have a happy life, in order to have a, a life that's lived the right way, I, I need you. It brings that to God. And, he, and here's what that means. Do you, do, you feel, do you feel that at all right now? Do you feel faced with decisions? Do you feel, feel faced with issues that you're trying to navigate through and see the complexity of in the right way? Do you feel that desire for, man, I want happiness and will this bring me happiness or not? Do you feel that? What it means that we even have these Psalms in the Bible is that God cares about that condition. That if you are feeling that way right now, God cares about that condition. God cares about it. And the fact that we have these Psalms means it's an invitation that God is giving to us to bring that to him. He wants that longing that we have. He wants that confusion that we have. And he wants us to bring it to him. And it also means, it also says that we have these psalms, that God wants good for us. That if you're feeling these things, if you're experiencing this kind of longing or angst even at some times or confusion, God wants good for you. He wants to help with that. And it means he can help. He's capable. If God says, hey, I want you, I care about that experience. I care about that longing, that confusion. I care about that desire for happiness and to live life right. I'm inviting you to bring it to me. I want good for you. If he's saying all that, it also means he's capable to help. It would be foolish of God to say, hey, bring that to me. And then he's like, I don't know what to do with it. Him, him inviting us is saying, if you feel that at all, God says, I want to help and I can. And so when we examine the Psalms of Wisdom, and we're going to look at one that's representative of them today, we're going to look at actually the very first book in the Psalms, Psalm 1, the very first uh, chapter in the Psalms. When When we look at that, we're bringing that to God, and God is saying, I can help. So let's look at Psalm 1 together and see if we can experience, even today, some of God's help as we bring our desires for happiness and our desires for living life right. And we'll just kind of go through this uh, section by section. Now, here's how it begins. How happy is the one who does not walk in the advice of the wicked, or stand in the pathway with sinners, or sit in the company of mockers? And this is how it begins, okay? And it begins with really setting up a tension. What is the tension? The tension that we feel, that that he feels here, is that there's two different ways. It would be easy if in life there was just one way to go. Everyone knew the right way. Everyone said, this is the only road to happiness. This is the only road to wisdom. 
and we all knew it. And then maybe we chose to do it or not do it, but there was only one way. That, that would be easy. But you know that's not the case, and that's part of the complexity. That's part of the what creates a desire and a longing is that there's often confusion. There's often multiple avenues, and what he sets up is a tension that there's two different ways. See, we want happiness, right? We want happiness in life. And in order to get that, we want counsel. Maybe that's professional counsel, a therapist, a counselor. Um, it, it can be a, a life coach, a, a doctor even. We want counsel. Oftentimes it's from friends and maybe from blogs and news sources and books and your favorite author, your favorite thinker, videos, YouTube. We want counsel. We want happiness and so we want counsel. We want kind of a direction to go in, a path so we can say, okay, I know where I'm going. We want alignment with the right way. Sometimes we talk about this even on being on the right side of history. Uh, and, and we want alignment with going in the right direction. And this psalm sets up that there's a tension because there's two different ways. There is the advice of the wicked. There is the pathway, the direction in life, with sinners. There is the company, the alignment, the being together with, with mockers. But the fact that there is two different ways, and he'll get into God's way, but that there is a way, a pathway, a counsel, a company, that there, that, that exists means that there's many different voices speaking to us. There is a tension because though we want happiness and we want to live the right way, there's many different voices presented to us speaking into our life. I mean, think about for your life right now. What are you trying to decide? What issues are you trying to sort through? What are you trying to, where are you trying to get advice? What are you trying to, um, to figure out? What is it that maybe you're trying to pick a side on what you think? It's hard. It's confusing. It's hard to know. Will this choice bring me happiness or will this choice bring me happiness? Will, will, is this the right way to think about an issue or is this the right way to think? It's hard. And there's many voices seeking to speak to us. There's many voices seeking to offer counsel, seeking to offer alignment, seeking to offer a direction. There's many voices. There is an answer for everything, and it doesn't sound totally foolish and stupid. That, again, would be easy. It would be easy if one person said, hey, you should do this and your life will suck. And one person said, you'll do this and everybody knows this is happiness. And you're like, man, which one do I want to do? That's not how it goes. It's hard. There's a lot of voices speaking to us all the time. And there's an answer for everything. And, and here's, here's where the tension is set up. And, and why the psalm begins this way and why all the wisdom literature helps us to think about this. If we are not careful, we will choose wrong. If we're not careful, we will align ourselves with the wrong way of thinking, the wrong way of being, the wrong way of doing. If we are not careful, when we desire happiness, we will actually choose pain. When we would desire wisdom, we will actually choose foolishness. The psalm, if we want to be wise and if we want to be happy, the psalm begins with reminding us there is a tension, that it's not automatic, that at risk, if you're not careful, is your joy, is your wisdom, is your love of other people. There is a tension. That's how the psalm begins. You want to live happy? 
You want to live wise? We have to begin with understanding there's a tension. There's a lot of voices seeking to pull us in different directions that could actually get us off track. And we are tempted to follow those, wittingly or unwittingly. So how do we know what the way of wisdom and happiness is? There's two different ways. What's the better way? How do we know what the way of wisdom is? How do we know what the way of happiness is? What can cut through all the noise, all the different voices, all the different opinions, all the different thoughts? What can cut through all of that? And in some sense, it's, it's actually very simple. And it is to say, what does God say? Here's what it says. How happy is the one who does not walk in the advice of the wicked or stand in the pathway with sinners or sit in the company of mockers. Instead, so that's setting up that second way. Instead, his delight is in the Lord's instruction and he meditates on it day and night. So what can cut through all the noise? What he says is we must say, what does God say? Instead of listening to all these other voices, Instead of listening to the majority, like, how do you decide your opinions on what will bring happiness? How do you decide your beliefs on what is the good life, on what is the wise way to think about things and do things, on what's the right way to think about the various issues that we have? How do you decide? Is it the majority? That's foolish. Is it your own preferences? That's foolish. Is it your own instincts? That's foolish. One voice is the voice that cuts through all of it. One voice is the voice that is the way of wisdom and ultimately the way of happiness, and it's the voice of God. That is what instead sets up. There's a path over here with multiple voices, and instead there is a path that can cut through all of it, and it's the voice of God. But it's not as easy as just finding a Bible verse to support our own beliefs and our own thoughts. It's not as easy as that. We have to have a heart and a practice that helps us listen, obey the voice of God. And, and he gives us these words. He says, instead, his delight is in the Lord's instruction. That's so important. Delight. Delight is desire. It's passion. It's where we find our joy. It's, it's that we really long and want and enjoy something. Delight in the Lord's instruction. This isn't just a, okay, you want to cut through it all? Read your Bible. That's not exactly what it's saying. It's saying delight in the Lord's instruction. That's a hunger. That's a craving. That's a, this brings me deep joy. You may, what is, what is it that you delight in? What do you enjoy? What do you go, ah, oh, I delight in this. Donuts? That's me. Maybe it's a person, you know, that you say, oh, I delight in and we don't, maybe you don't use that word, but I love to be with them. Maybe I'm in love with them. Maybe it's a certain place. Maybe it's vacation. Maybe it's a certain activity that you delight in. Do you feel that way about listening to God? Do you feel that way about listening to God? If you want to cut through all the different voices, you want to find the road, the way, the direction of happiness. It's not the majority. It's not your preferences. It's not your instincts. It's not what you've heard. It's not, it is, do you, it's the voice of God, which begins with, do you delight in hearing his voice? And what this is saying is that something has to change inside of us before something ever changes on the outside of us. It has to start with, do I genuinely delight to listen to God, that I'm not, when I come to the Bible, I'm not looking for loopholes. 
I'm not looking for, as Satan said, did God really say that? I'm not trying to find a way out of it. I delight, I want, I desire, I crave to say, what is it that God says? Because it's a belief that God is the best, that God is good, that God wants good for me. So of course, if I know there's an all-powerful, all-knowing, all-loving being that says, I want to speak to you, of course I want to hear what he says. I delight to know what he says. And so I come to him with no conditions, saying, I know who you are, I know what you want, I believe what you say, and so I delight to know what it is. I delight, and so I submit. I delight to know your instruction, and I delight to submit to it because I know you're good. So it starts with a delight, and then he also gives us this word, his delight is in the law, the Lord's instruction, and he meditates on it day and night. To meditate is to be formed not by the deluge, the flood of information that we are experiencing all the time, right? Social media has just amped it up, maybe even with uh, the pandemic and being quarantined at home for a lot of the time. And all we have is our phones and scrolling and looking and reading. And it's easy to be formed by the deluge of information that we're constantly exposed to news opinions, facts, feelings, media. I mean, it's, it's crazy. I mean, the amount of consumption that we have, the amount of information that we are exposed to it. Honestly, I mean, I know I feel this. It's overwhelming. It's absolutely overwhelming. And if we're not careful, we will be, whether we know it or not, it's impossible not to spend hours scrolling and listening and reading and watching. It's impossible not to be formed by that and to meditate night and day on the Lord's instruction. To meditate on it means that we are formed by this. We're formed by God's voice. To meditate means, it's an actual practice. It is to take all the different things in our life, to take all the different issues in our life, to take all the different choices that we have in life about, is this the right way to think about this? And will this bring happiness? And think about our relationships and our money and our time and our jobs and our, our callings and our choices. And it's to take all of that, to meditate, is to take all of that and to go, I'm going to think about you in the middle of this. I'm going to ask, what does God say? I'm going to ask, what does God think? I'm going to ask, who is he? that would relate to this. It is to train our hearts to see the world, to see our life, to see our choices and our feelings and our emotions, and to think through all of that, to have our heart trained to see through what he says. Just ask yourself, look, no one's around you. Ask yourself, is that where you're grounded? Do your opinions, your thoughts, your decisions, and listen, when he says to meditate on it day and night, that is to encompass all of life situations and all the different things that you're going through and all the different things that you face. Can you say, yes, that is intentionally thought through, through what does God say? That's what we want. That's the path of wisdom. That's the path of happiness. You might not think that you are thinking through the various things in your life with a different lens. You might just think it's neutral. You're not necessarily looking through all of life and saying, what do my parents say? Or what does 
uh, Fox News say? Or what does CNN say? You're, you don't think that you're looking through life like that. But if you're not looking through life through a lens of saying, what does God say? I want to bring everything to him. What does he say? If you're not doing that, by default, you automatically are doing that with all the different formation that you've experienced. That is what this psalm is saying. It presents in the beginning. There's the company of mockers, and there's the pathway of sinners, and there's the, there's the, the advice of the wicked. There's all of this stuff coming at us, and then there is the happy person, the wise person, that says, night and day, I meditate. That's a practice through thinking through life with delighting in what God says through his voice, training our heart to see. Here's, I, I said last week that psalms of lament are turning our pain into prayers. And one way I think we can think about psalms of wisdom is that it turns our longing into listening, turns our longing for the good life, our longing for making the right choices and figuring out what's the right way to think about this and to do this. It turns our longing into listening. That is what the Psalms of Wisdom help us do. Are you doing that? This is between you and God, and are you doing that? Is that how you live? Would it be able to describe you, put your name in here, it said, instead, his delight is in the Lord's instruction, but put your name in there, whatever your name is, I'll just use mine as an example, instead, Caleb's delight is in the Lord's instruction, and Caleb meditates on it day and night. If you put your name in there like I just did, would that be true? Would that make sense? Or would someone go, that's not, that does not describe you. We want it to describe us. That's what leads to a life of joy and wisdom and happiness. So that, that, is, that is what the Psalms of wisdom help us do. This is the better way. And let me say this too, when it says to meditate on the Lord's instruction, that doesn't just mean God's moral commands of don't murder, don't kill, uh, don't steal, don't cheat. Um, to it, it doesn't just mean those things. It also means when we say I'm going to meditate on His instruction, it means all that he, it means this. It means all that He is. It means to meditate on His character. It means to meditate on His commands. Yes, but it means to meditate on His character to see who He is and to let that form our life. It means to see what he has done and let that form our life. It means to see who he has revealed himself to be and let that form our choices, our decisions, our longings for happiness. It means, Christian, ultimately, because God has ultimately revealed himself in Jesus, it means to look at Jesus, what he says, what he has done, who he is, and say, I want to delight in you and in and everything revealed about you and meditate day and night on who you are, what you say, what you've done, and let that form all of my life, every situation, every decision, day and night, and my happiness and my wisdom is submitted to you, Jesus. That's what it means to, to let the Lord's instruction be our delight and our meditation. Listen, this is good news. It's good news because it means you don't have to, you don't have, to have a, a PhD to figure out life 
and you don't have to have a, a master, you know, a mastery of every subject that, that we're faced with, whether that is race right now or how to respond to a pandemic or how to be a husband or how to be a father or how to be a mom or how to be a good friend or how to figure out your job or what your calling is. You don't have to have a mastery of every subject or you don't have to have tons of experience in all things in life. What you need to do to live the wise life, to live the happy life, is to turn your longing into listening, to let His voice be the voice that directs you. You need Him, and we have Him, and that can cut through all the other voices. Now, final thing is this. What happens? Where does this lead? If we do this, what happens? Where does it lead? Let's read the next section. He says, He, the person that does what we just talked about, he is like a tree planted beside flowing streams that bears its fruit in its season and whose leaf does not wither. Whatever he does prospers. The wicked are not like this. Instead, they are like chaff that the wind blows away. Therefore, the wicked will not stand up in the judgment nor sinners in the assembly of the righteous. For the Lord watches over the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked leads to ruin." So this helps us see where does this lead? We long for happiness. We long for wisdom. If we cut out the other voices and listen to God's voice, where does this lead? Well, let's start with where the life of the wicked leads. The life of the wicked, and the Bible talks about this often, especially in the wisdom literature, Proverbs, that there's a way that seems right to a man, but in the end it leads to death. The wicked think that what they're, this is so important, the wicked think what they're doing is wise. The wicked think what they're doing is the way to happiness. They think what they're doing is the road. And look, haven't you made decisions where you thought this will lead to happiness? And then you said, that was foolish. The wicked live a life based on the majority, based on their own instincts, their own preferences, their own desires, and it seems good and right at the time, but what happens is it blows away. It means it doesn't last. It doesn't ultimately lead to flourishing and thriving. It doesn't ultimately work, and it leads to judgment. It leads to judgment, which means that God ultimately looks at their life and says, this was wrong. And most of the time that happens in this life. Many times that doesn't happen until the end. And God says, this was wrong. You lived a wicked life. You didn't listen to me. That's where that leads. Where does it lead for those that listen to God? Where does it lead for those that turn their longing into listening? Where does it lead for those that delight in his word? And he gives us this great image. I love it. The Psalms is filled with images. And for those of you that maybe are more artistic in nature, images really help us. And he says, he he gives us an image of a tree. It says the one that listens to God is like a tree planted beside flowing streams. We are trees. Or trees. And as all organic life, we need water. We need water to live. We are a tree. In some sense, you can think of that as we're a, we are this being that without something else coming from the outside into us, we will die. We will shrivel. We won't last. We have uh, grass that we're trying to grow in our yard right now, and plants, um, vegetables, flowers. We're trying to grow them, and they need water, especially in the days when it gets hot. They need water, and we started to see some of our grass turning brown because we had shut the sprinkler off for a few days. It needs water. Water gives life, 
And God is revealing himself as water to us as trees. If you've ever tried to grow something, and if you haven't, it might just be a good project to do so you can get even deeper the imagery of what the Bible presents here. If you've ever tried to grow something, you know it takes constant watering. And we're trees, we're not cacti. Sometimes I think for cactus, they only need a little bit of water, but you're a tree. We need to be watered all the time or we will die. We need the water of life God himself revealed in his word to enter in from the outside inside to combine with us to unite to us so that we actually thrive and flourish or we will dry up and we will blow away that's what he says it's a great image we to, to for us to have life we need his life united to ours and what happens where this leads is he gives us a few things one fruit which fruit doesn't just mean we look really pretty with a bunch of you know, decorations. Fruit means that our life, when we are connected to his word and who he's revealed himself to be, that we become a blessing to others. That's what fruit is. Fruit, a tree gives fruit to bless others. We become a blessing. Our lives actually richly bless those around us when we are connected to the source of life. And we last. We don't burn out. It's not just that we're excited about something for a minute and then we wither away. We last. I could take, um, you know, a plant and unpot it. And, you know, I, we have tomato plants. I could pluck them up from their, from their pots and just hold it and throw it on my ground, uh, throw it on my floor, let's say. And it would look like a tomato plant for a little bit. And then eventually it would wither and die. And so many times that's what our life is like. We have a passion for something. You're excited about working on your marriage. You're excited about raising your kids in, in a way that glorifies God. You're excited about helping other people come to know Jesus. You're excited about justice in our world. We're excited about these things. And we wither away eventually because we're not actually connected to the source of life and power. And he says, you'll have fruit and you won't wither. You'll last and you will prosper in whatever you do. Now, that doesn't mean that God's promising financial gain to everything we do, but it does mean that there is a connection between success and delight. Success, don't automatically, just because you know we're Americans, let that go to finances, but success means that when we are connected to God and who He is and His Word, that does lead to a prospering in our life. It does lead to the things that we are doing, which should be led by who God is, it leads to them experiencing prospering. This is what God wants to give to you. This is what he wants to give. And God is such. His character is such. His person is such that the more we take in of him, like water, the more we take in of him, the more we are changed to bless others because he's a blessing. The more we are changed to be someone that lasts because God lasts and is stable. The more we connect to him, he is such of you know a, he is a of a quality of power that when we connect to him it flows out of us. There's two voices in our life. There's the voice of everybody else, the voice of the world, there's there's the voice of everyone else and the voice of God. And there's two lives that ultimately result from which voice we take in deeper and deeper. And the more that God's voice gets worked into our lives, the more we experience the life of wisdom and the life of happiness that we long for. There's a lot of stuff that we have to sift through. Will this bring happiness? Will this bring wisdom? Is this the right way to live? Is this the joyful way to live? God wants us to be grounded 
in his voice. This is how. So here's what this means. Let me just ask you a couple questions. What are you listening to right now? What are the primary voices, articles, blogs, authors, people? What are you listening to? And do you delight in listening to God? Just ask yourself that and be honest with yourself and with God. Do you delight to listen to God? And do you, third question, meditate? Think through all the different areas in your life and think through, what does it mean to think about how God thinks about this? How does God's character relate to this? How does who Jesus is and what he's done and what he says relate to this? Do you meditate day and night? So my encouragement for you is to think through those questions and then to, like I said last week, and this is going to be one of the applications every week, is to pray this song in your own words. Take some time, write it out in your own words, and pray this song. And then take an issue that you're kind of thinking through right now. Whether that's a pursuit for happiness or a pursuit of living life the right way, thinking through things the right way, take an issue and really take some time this week to go, okay, God, help my heart to delight in you. And what do you say about this? What does it mean of who you are? How does who you are connect to this? How is what you've done, Jesus, relate to this? And the final ultimate promise in here, the Lord watches over the way of all the righteous. I love this because it means God's involved in our lives. He sees you. If you're a Christian, you have been made righteous by Jesus. He watches over your life. He's involved. He knows. He sees. This isn't some process that is disconnected from him. He's there. He wants to be a part, and he is a part. When we take communion, which we will do in just a minute here, when we take communion, what we remember is that Jesus is the source of life. Jesus used this imagery himself of, of agriculture and plants, and he said, unless a seed falls into the earth and dies, it doesn't produce fruit. But if it falls into the earth and dies, it produces much fruit. And Jesus was speaking of himself there. Jesus says that he is the seed that came to this earth, that fell into the earth and was, and was killed for us. That he, was, that he, like a seed, was buried and died so that we could be a tree planted and experience life and then be a blessing and create much fruit for other people. Jesus says, I was the seed that came to this earth and died and was buried so that you could be planted and live your life next to streams of living water, me, be connected to me and have a life of wisdom and happiness and joy and blessing to others. When we take communion, that's what we remember. He gave his life to give us life. And so would you pray with me as we consider these things and ask God to root us deeper in his wisdom and in his life. Father, I thank you for your goodness. I thank you, Jesus, that you came to this earth, you died, you were buried, you resurrected to give us new life and so that our life could be a blessing, bearing much fruit for others. Lord, let us listen to your voice. There are so many voices that we face. God, forgive us for listening so much and meditating even on so much else and not you. Change our delight to be focused on you. Change our desire to be focused on you. Change our will to be focused on you. And Lord, let that lead to blessing and fruit to others and wisdom and happiness and prospering. Pray this in your name, Jesus.